the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My first experience with a monastery was Life-Giving Spring Monastery in California when I was young. The monastery there was founded because Bishop Anthony had a miracle from his childhood with Panagia, so he promised to build a monastery dedicated to her. And that monastery was, when I first saw it, it was mostly just dirt, but they had started to build their Catholicon, the main church. And over the ensuing decades, this fabulous monastery has been built with all of the living quarters, with multiple different chapels, beautiful iconography painted by the nuns, gilded iconostasis in one of the, the, um, the chapels, a little oasis in the, the, the dry, hot heat of the Central Valley. And Yeronde San Marcella, who is the nun there, she's a, a very special woman, a very uh, uh, memorable character. And she, uh, when Presbytero was visiting in May, Presbytero overheard a conversation. There was a man who was leaving the monastery, and Yeronde San Marcella was going after him with a loaf of bread. Here, here, take this bread. Because you have to understand in monasteries, oftentimes they give what are called evlogias, blessings. And so there's this loaf of bread that they've baked, and the man says, no, 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 you, you'll have use for it. You'll have use for it. You keep it. He, you know, he, didn't, he thought they could use the bread more than he could. And she said, she looked at him, and she said, how do you think we got all of this, pointing around to all of the buildings? Because we give everything away, we receive. It was a profound statement. Because we give everything away, we receive, which does not make sense at all. That's not the logic that we use. And just as a side note, another story I heard kind of related to that was uh, a presbytera was visiting life-giving, or uh, St. John the Forerunner Monastery in Goldendale. She had just been assigned to the Pacific Northwest, had left her native state of California, she was in mourning. She knew Yeronda San Marcella in California very well, but she didn't know anything about this monastery up here. So they drive all the way up the gorge to the monastery, and they get there, and Yeronda Savfraxia, who is the abbess at that monastery, she has this huge handful of gifts for them, evlogias, like pastries and, and goat cheese and all kinds of things for them. And she fills their hands with these. And then she says, okay, go. <laughs> and Presbyteta says, we just got here. We just got here. She's in torment because she's missing the monastery that she had visited so many times. And she said, can we stay? No, go, go. So they turn around and they drive back. And as they're driving back, they drove through about the worst storm they could have driven through. And had they stayed there any longer, they would have stayed and been stuck there for days after that storm. Yeronda Sanu. So why am I telling you all about these evlogias, these gifts? Because we have a gospel reading today about a rich man and about Lazarus. And the gospel is a reading that we all know very well. And this reading definitely tells us about the imminence of death. Beware, death is coming. How will you be prepared for death? But when I told this story about life-giving spring monastery, it's because the, the monastics, you need to understand how they understand this parable. They understand the parable as them being the rich man. 
They've received so many blessings, so many things from God. They're always looking for Lazarus, looking for Lazarus to give away the things that they have received. And so their eyes are always to that person who's at their gate, very literally at their gate of the monastery, people who are coming, pilgrims, visiting. And at Life Giving Spring in, in California, they have so many visitors because they're about three hours from the Bay Area, three hours from LA, so people come there all the time, streaming in. But likewise at the monastery here and all around the world. Monastics see themselves as the rich man who has so many blessings and wants to give them away. And so they're always looking for Lazarus, seeing Lazarus in the other person. And this is the lesson for us today. Because every person is Lazarus. Every person is someone that we must see as a person who is in need. A person who is in need and we've been given blessings and so we give to them. And I'm not just talking about giving of our, our physical means, of our possessions, but it's something much deeper that we have here. What does it mean if I view every person as Lazarus. Now, it certainly means the philanthropic things that I can do. I can be like our philoptikos, whose mission is to offer comfort where they see pain, sustenance where they find hunger, and hope where they encounter despair. We can do these philanthropic things, but that is one part of the big picture of what it means to see Lazarus in every single person. What does it mean when I see Lazarus in my own child? When I see Lazarus in a coworker? When I see Lazarus anywhere on the street that I go to? Because seeing Lazarus is ultimately about seeing the soul of another human being. This is what we encounter when we encounter Lazarus. We encounter the soul of another human being. We see them for who they are not just another body that happens to be near us, in proximity to us, passing by us, a, a body that lives in the same house as us, it doesn't matter, wherever it may be. When I talk about seeing Lazarus, I don't mean you need to go out and do more good works. That's true, but that's not ultimately what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is that we need to see in every single person around us their very soul who they are. Because when we do this, who do we encounter? Christ. Christ himself in the other person. If we're looking into someone's soul, who do you think we'll find there? Christ. That's his dwelling place. We are the temple of God. Do we look inside the doors of that temple to see the one who dwells inside that temple or not? As we hear this parable, we must not just think about it in terms of rich man and poor man and death, but rather see it as an encounter with another human being, an encounter with Christ himself. Because if we can do that, and we see Christ in that other person, what do they see when they look back at us? They see Christ. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. This encounter with Christ can be in every single encounter that we have with every person. And it's not a, 
a giving in the sense of I have to give lots of my time and lots of my possessions, so don't build it up as something impossibly difficult. Rather, it's just, there's a person in front of me. How do I interact with them? How do I look at them? What am I doing with my person that says I am there with them? So I'll offer three simple things that we can do to encounter Lazarus in every single person. Number one, be attentive. This means the phone needs to be put away. I was talking with Presbyteria last night, and she said, well, I guess I have at least half of you, because I was glancing down at my phone. <laughs> so this is, what, this is our modern life. We have to struggle with this. How do we be attentive and present with the people that are right in front of you? How do we do this? So attentiveness is a very key part of this. And the church describes this in a number of different ways, being sober, being vigilant, watchful. Be attentive to the surroundings that you're in and to the people that you're around, especially those people that you encounter day in and day out, and especially those people who live under your roof. Be attentive. The second is don't judge. Judgment is like a barrier between me and another person because the person automatically becomes whatever conception I have in my head through my judgment. Oh, that person is a this or a that. Or I can't believe that person did that kind of thing. I can't believe this or that about them. Judgment is a barrier between me and the other person. So when we judge, we've already pushed them away. And the third is have compassion on them. What is compassion at its heart? It is that I feel and understand the life and struggles and pain of the other person. So there it is. The homily is over. Be attentive, don't judge, be compassionate, and look for Lazarus in every single person that you encounter. Amen. Let us all sing with our vocal.